to leak All your floors really squeak You live in a money pit Money pit If your basement needs a pump Or your place looks like a dump You live in a money pit Money pit Pick up the telephone Fix up your home sweet home I call an 888 money pit Money Pit is brought to you by QuickCrete, Centurion Tools, and Arrow Fastener. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we're here to help you with your home improvement, decor, and remodeling projects. Just pick up the phone and call us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Post your question online at moneypit.com or post it to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash themoneypit. All great ways to get in touch. Coming up on this edition of the show, it's getting pretty warm outside, and this is about the time that folks think about buying a bigger and better air conditioner. But you may be surprised to learn that bigger is actually not old always better for your comfort or for your wallet. So we're going to walk you through some tips on how to pick the right size window AC or central AC for your home. And smelly water is a common complaint among homeowners, and for good reason. I mean, nobody wants to drink or cook or clean with water that smells like rotten eggs. We're going to highlight some of the causes and the cures just ahead. Plus, summer gives us lots of opportunities to display the red, white, and blue. Memorial Day just passed. July 4th is ahead. And this weekend, we get to celebrate Flag Day. So we've got some tips to help you hang and display your flag. Plus, if you call us with your question or if you post it to the Money Pits Facebook page, we've got a three-piece gardening set from Centurion to give away, which includes a rake, a leaf bag, and a broom. It's worth 51 bucks going out to one caller drawn at random. So make that you pick up the phone, shoot us an email, go to the website, get in touch with us right now. That number is 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? Fonda in South Dakota, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? We are demolishing our old deck that leads to an old patio at the ground level. And um, the old patio has two substrates. You lead down to a plank patio. It's like wood, a two-by-sixes, I think, which is an awful shape. It's probably 30 feet by 30 feet. And then it butts up to a pretty substantial cement pad that's 20 feet by 20 feet. And we know we're going to demo the wood pad, but it's the question is, what do we put in? Do we have to chop up the old cement pad, which is in great shape because it's so substantial? Or can we put in another cement pad next to it for the new patio? Can you go over the old cement with something and stamp it or make it just... And then the other problem is it's, it's square, And I would like the new patio at the ground level to be rounder and curvier. One idea that I have straight off is to go over the old patio with brick pavers. And if the patio is flat and strong and solid, there's no reason you can't put pavers on top of that. And so you could basically create a do almost a patio makeover by preserving the concrete and putting brick pavers right over the concrete. They're all going to assemble together. You won't see them when they're done. Now, you mentioned changing the shape. That, of course, is a little more complicated because you're going to have to build up to the edges. Part of the patio would be uh, over concrete, and part of the patio would be over uh, traditional built-up stone, if that's possible. But if you want to avoid changing the shape, then it becomes a very easy project to do it with brick pavers. And, of course, you have lots and lots and lots of choices on shapes and colors and all of that that you, you could go with. And on the side that's not 
cement, what's under the brick pavers. On the side that's not cement, what's under the brick pavers is this. First of all, you dig out, obviously, all the grass and that sort of thing. Then you put down um, about four to six inches of uh, gray gravel. You tamp that down really, really, really well. Then on top of that, you lay some sand. Get that nice and flat. On top of that, you put the brick pavers, and then you put additional sand in between. But tamping and properly preparing that ground and tamping that stone really well is critical because if you don't, it gets all roly-poly over the years and weeds start to grow up through it. All right. Well, thank you. You're welcome, Fonda. Good luck with that project just in time for summer. 888-666-3974. Tim in Michigan's on the line with a question about wavy linoleum. What is going on with your floppy flooring? So we had the floor laid a couple of years ago. It's uh, your standard floating um like vinyl linoleum floor, one piece. Um, when it was laid, uh, the floor to me was not laid correctly. They didn't um, stretch it out as it should. And now we're dealing with uh, wrinkles in the floor. We're dealing with in front of like our dishwasher, um, in our door area, it's kind of wrinkling up. Um, we're just wondering what some of the simple ways would be to fix it aside from just taking all of the appliances out of the kitchen. And also, what would be an alternative without breaking the bank? Okay. Well, look, um, it is very difficult for you to fix what's happening to that floor. I'm not quite sure why it's happening. You mentioned uh, that it wasn't stretched. You don't really stretch linoleum when you put it down. And if it's floating, there's no adhesion, and that can actually be a blessing. There's no glue. It'll be easy for you to, to take it up. Typically, when you do put down a sheet product like that, the care and the prep involves in making sure the subfloor is absolutely smooth and flat. And very often, uh, installers will put a second layer layer of a type of plywood that we call Luan, L-U-A-N plywood. It's a very smooth finished plywood on top of it, and they'll attach it with a ring nail, which is a nail that has rings in it and grooves, and it attaches very, very well. But that's pretty much it. Now, if this is loosened up and, and stretched on its own, and probably in the wear and tear areas, because, you know, you walk up to the dishwasher, and you stop, and you start, and you scuff your feet, or you go to the, di- the refrigerator, and, you know, you stare at it at 10 o'clock at night, like I do sometimes, and I know I shouldn't be looking at that at that hour <laughs> something to eat. you know uh, it, it uh, basically wears and tears on that floor so I think uh, I would personally give up on trying to fix what you have I mean you could take okay. the appliances out and you could glue it but I, I just want to tell you that there are so many good flooring products out today that are very very affordable that you could replace this with and you could do it fairly quickly and fairly simply for example if you look at the Lumber Liquidator stores and LumberLiquidators.com, they have a, um, a line of engineered vinyl plank, EVP, uh, and LVP, which is luxury vinyl plank. Man, this stuff is gorgeous. It looks just like uh, the wood that is designed to replicate. It's durable. I put some of this down for my mom, and she had a tough kitchen with a lot of different weird angles and stuff because of the way the house was built. We laid it down, and it's been great. She was worried about a, about a floor being slippery. This was not. It's been cleaning really well for her. But aside from that, you could consider also using a laminate floor, and they have laminate floors today that have like a locking seam that's waterproof, so the water doesn't soak into them. I was just going to ask about that laminate, because we just had that done in our dining room and our bedroom. Would that be acceptable in a kitchen? 
Yes, I would look at the high performance laminates that um, I know the one that Lumber has, Lumber Liquidators has, or actually they call themselves LL Flooring now, they just had a name change, um, has a special seal. I think it's called Aqua Seal. And it basically, I did a little video on it once where we kind of poured a whole bunch of water on it and tried to get it to break through the seal and we couldn't do it. So I think it was pretty good stuff. Uh, and I think laminate's a good choice as well. I would look at the laminates. I would look at the EVPs if you're not familiar with that. And the third thing I was going to mention is engineered flooring. So you can have real hardwood in the kitchen, which I normally would not recommend if it was full thickness. But engineered is made up of multiple layers of hardwood or different types of wood. So it's dimensionally stable and it can take a saturation, you know, if you have to mop the floor without swelling up and making a mess of it. Sure. Let me ask you another question, because the problem that we're dealing with, because I've thought about all of that, and I think the only one that would work in that now would be the LVP okay. or the uh, EVP. And the reason why I say that is the floor is not totally even across. Um, there is a little bit of a hip. Uh, where they added on the kitchen, but they never leveled out that floor. So there's a product called floor leveling compound that you can pick up. And basically the way floor leveling compound works is you, you find your level in this floor. Now there's different ways to do this. There's some tricks to trade, but what I like to do is, um, if I am working with, uh, with a level and let's say I, I shoot a level line across the wall and I'm and measuring down to figure out where I'm at with that, I will set a screw head at the uh, finished floor height that I want in a couple of different places, and that becomes a guide. And then when you pour this leveling compound in, it kind of free floats and settles out. And, and when you do this, if you watch those screw heads that you just put in, you'll know when you're kind of in the ballpark of being level. And stuff gets really hard, and then you can just floor right over it. So there's a way to correct that. Okay. Well, hey, I appreciate the callback, and um, we're going to start looking into this. And Sounds good, Tim. Thanks so much for reaching out to the Money Pit, and stay safe out there. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Well, Father's Day is just a week away, and we've launched a new sweepstakes to help you win tools for Dad. It's called the DIY Dad Giveaway, and we've got 10 sets of tools from Arrow to give away to 10 lucky winners. That's right. Each set is worth $120 and includes both a T50 and a PT50 Arrow Stable Gun, as well as an Arrow GT300 High Temp Glue Gun. These are all tools that are perfect for taking on dozens of projects around the house. Arrow is all about making durable, reliable tools and faster, so they're going to give your dad years of use. 
You can enter once a day at MoneyPit.com. And be sure to take advantage of the many ways that you can earn extra entries by subscribing to our podcast or visiting us on social media. Enter again at MoneyPit.com. Now we've got Martin on the line who wants to talk about fascia boards. That is an excellent design detail on the exterior. What can we do for you? The fascia boarding that connects the ceiling of my porch roof to the overhang has separated from the ceiling. And I want to know if I need to, do I need to rip that out and replace it? Or can I just seal it and maybe put a larger molding over it? Well, if the fascia board is loosening up, then I would tell you to resecure it. And that's actually not an, an unusual thing to happen uh, because the nails that hold that are usually going into the ends of the, of the rafters behind it. They tend to expand and contract a lot. But what I would do is I would tell you to resecure it, but do it with screws, not with nails. If you use long screws like two and a half inch uh, case hardened drywall screws or, or uh, wood trim screws, that will pull that fascia board back in tight, and it'll be impossible for it to loosen up again. So don't think of it in terms of something covering it. Just put it back where it was, but use screws instead of nails, and it won't come out again. Okay? And do I do that by going under the molding? Well, you want to try to get that fascia board re-secured in. So if that is going to require you to take off a piece of molding to get to it, then that's what you do. But you want to get to the original fascia and tighten it up. Okay. I can do that then. Thank you very much. Well, if you're planning to buy a room air conditioner this summer, one of the most important considerations is the size of the unit. But contrary to what you might think, bigger is not better. Yep, and here's why. If you buy a unit that has too much cooling capacity, it's going to waste energy, and one that's too small is not going to do a good job keeping your home comfortable. Plus, here's something very few people understand. An oversized unit will quickly cool the air but it'll do so without running long enough to dehumidify your home. And that's going to result in your home being very damp and musty instead of cool and comfortable. It's not good. Yeah. Now, determining the best size air conditioner for your room really depends on a number of factors, including the type of air conditioning unit that you plan to install, the size of the room you need to install it in, and the size of the window. Now, most manufacturers will have some sort of handy calculator to step you through the most important considerations and then deliver the right recommendation for your home. And uh, if you've got the choice, remember, it's always best to install the unit on the shady side of the room and keep the vent out of the direct sun. That makes it run more efficiently. And make sure you are only buying air conditioners that are rated Energy Star. If they're not Energy Star rated, don't do it. You'll waste a lot of money. Heading out to Texas, where Ray is dealing with some water noises. What's going on? Can't sleep, huh? Yeah, whenever you turn the hot water on, sometimes it sounds like somebody in there with a little jackhammer. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe the pipe's rattling or whatever. Yeah. I I don't know how to stop it. All right. I put new uh, stems in. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not the stems, though, right? Here's what's going on. That is that is called water hammer. And basically, it's caused by the, the force of the water starting and stopping as it travels through the pipes. And, and copper pipes, in particular, have this amazing ability to resonate like a lousy musical instrument. And so all of that noise and that banging you hear is when the water stops and starts because you're operating the valve, the pipe is loose. So you're getting that rattle, and, and that can resonate and make it sound even louder. There's two things. 
things that you can do. So first of all, depending on how your house is built, if you could get to those pipes, you can add additional brackets, just little U-clamps to attach them to the sides of the wood framing that's around it so that they don't have any ability to kind of rattle. And I would do that first because that's the easiest thing to do. And the second thing you do is there actually is a plumbing device called a water hammer arrester, which is kind of like a shock absorber for your pipes. And it goes at the end of the line and it takes sort of the force out of that water starting and stopping and will stop the pipe from wiggling and and, uh, shaking as a result. Does that make sense? Yes, uh, what you're saying does make sense to me. Uh, But, you know, this wasn't happening until I changed the stems. I had one stem that that, uh, was uh, uh, broken. Uh, Whenever you go to turn it off, if you turned it too far, it would come back on. So that stop was broken. So I replaced that. I replaced that stem, and and then I replaced the other stem. And then I started noticing this water hammer uh, happening. Uh, I have some guess as to why that's happening. Um, It's either coincidence, okay, or more likely the new stems that you put in there are operating much more efficiently than the old stems. So when the old stems, when you turn the water off, if you were to turn that water off very slowly then you're not going to get that water hammer because you're kind of slowing down that force, right? So if the stem was somehow inefficient, the old one, and now you put this new one in, I don't know what kind of valves you have, but, I mean, these new ceramic disc valves that are so common today, when that valve goes off, it goes off in a flash, and that could be just enough to make these pipes shake. So it may be coincidental to this, or it may be unrelated, but regardless of why it's happening, it's not being caused by the stems. It's may, it may be the result of a more efficient stem than you had before. So you've got to just secure the pipes and that should, most likely that will do it, but if it continues to get bad and bother you, you can put in the water hammer arresters. Okay, one other question now. If, if nothing is done, is there any possible damage that's going to come from the? It's unlikely. It's it's possible that you could you know shake a, a, a solder joint loose or something and cause a leak, but that would be I, I consider that rare. It's it's more of an annoyance I think for you than anything else. Good luck with that, Ray. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. 
Ocketrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any Aquatrue purifier. Just go to Aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any Aquatrue water purifier when you go to Aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Well, it's a common complaint among homeowners, and for good reason. Nobody wants to drink, cook, or bathe with smelly, yucky, rotten egg tap water. We've got some tips on the most common causes of that rotten egg smell and what can be done to make it go away. Yeah, so first let's talk about what that smell is. It's actually sulfur, and it rears its stinky head most often in houses that are located on a groundwater supply as opposed to a municipal water supply because the groundwater can pick up hydrogen sulfide, which is a naturally occurring gas. Now, that hydrogen sulfide gets absorbed into the water, it comes into the house, and there you have your odor. It's not dangerous, and it's actually not even harmful, but it's really annoying because it smells awfully bad. It really does smell bad. So how do you take care of it? Can you treat it? Well, if the smell is coming from both hot and cold water, then you should call a well contractor. They'll install a filter that will minimize that. But more often, it could be coming predominantly from the hot water side, and that could be cut because of a whole different reason. It can happen when the sacrificial anode rod that's inside your water heater tank basically erodes away. These are typically made of magnesium, which the hydrogen sulfide attacks, and it releases that rotten egg smell and eating away at the rod at the same time, which is by design what it's supposed to do. That's why it's called a sacrificial rod. They're basically the least noble metal in the tank, which means rather than the steel parts of the water heater like rusting away and leaking and causing a big mess in your house, these rods get the brunt of the of the water's attack. So what you want to do is just replace that magnesium rod with an aluminum sacrificial anode rod. And that's going to be much more impervious or resistant to that hydrogen sulfite. And they really do get the job done. They do so without the risk of uh, so much sulfur adhering to them and then being released into your home. So bottom line, no more stinky water. You can pick them up for about 30 bucks at any plumbing supply house. Now I've got Cody in Texas who's got a safety question. The dryer vent has become disconnected. Yes, Cody, this is dangerous. Hey, uh, so I was up in the attic the other day, and uh, I saw some of the insulation blowing. Uh, the dryer was running at the time. And I walked over there, and I could feel the uh, the air from the dryer blowing in from between the walls, you know. And uh, that, that, that kind of concerned me. It seems to me like it's not connected within the wall, and it, it's, it's blowing out. Is, I'm wondering, is that a big deal? Uh, do I need to go in the wall and, and replace that, or is it going to be fine the way it is? No, it's not fine at all the way it is for two reasons. Number one, it's a fire hazard because all that dust is being trapped inside that wall cavity. That's a major fire hazard. And secondly, all of that moisture from your wet clothes is being blown up into the attic and then insulation. And once it makes the insulation damp, the insulation does not work. If you even add a minor amount of moisture to insulation, it loses about a third of its R value. So you want to figure out what went wrong 
and get it fixed. It can vent up into the attic, but it has to continue through the attic uh, and out to an exterior wall or out to the roof or out to a soffit. So you need to figure out why it disconnected, what happened, and get it fixed in the easiest way possible. But get that dryer vent pointed outside as quickly as you can. Okay, I'll do that. There's some uh, there's some cabinets hanging above the dryer, so I guess I need to pull those off and cut into the sheetrock uh, to, to try to see where the disconnect is. Well, maybe. Why don't you just pull the dryer out to begin with, stick a light in that duct and see if it tells you anything, and then go from there. Try to minimize the exploratory surgery, Cody. Yeah, okay, okay I'll do that. I appreciate it. The more you cut open, the more you got to fix, man. Well, if you've been working in the yard this spring, we've got some great tools to give away that can help from Centurion. We've got the all-season leaf and garden cleanup set. I like this because it's all in one. It's a set of ergonomically designed tools that are engineered to help you get this job done as easily as possible. You've got a telescoping all-season bristle broom. You've got an aluminum expandable rake head. That's cool because it will expand from 7.5 inches to 21 inches. How many times, Leslie, have you had the rake and needed <laughs> to kind of reach in or enough. under? <laughs> or, or it's too wide. More right. For me, it's more like it's too wide, and I'm like trying to shove like three tines on the left end corner of the rake <laughs> under something to like drag out that last leaf. It's pretty cool. It's flexible like that. Plus, you get a, a leaf pickup bag with handles. It's worth 51 bucks going out to one caller drawn at random. Learn more at centurionbrands.com. That number again is 1-888-MONEYPIT. Sandy and I was on the line, and she has got a problem where the stairs meets the wall. What's going on there? In my stairwell, where the sheetrock meets the floor joist, um, when they originally did that, they put that, you know how they used to use that heavy paper stuff, and then they'd, they'd mud over that? Well, that cracked, and I peeled that off, and now I'm trying to figure out how to smooth that over there between the sheetrock and the floor joist. Um, in the basement because it's sheetrock to wood. I don't know what, what material to use to fill that crack so that I can paint over and it looks smooth. So what you want to do, it sounds like you pulled the old tape off, the paper tape off. Is that correct? I did. Well, that's okay because what you want to do now is you want to go out and buy some fiberglass tape. Now, fiberglass drywall tape is perforated. It's kind of like netting. It's a little tacky. When you cut a piece off, you put it on top of that seam, and what that's going to do is bridge the gap across the seam, and then you, you cover that with spackle. And you want to do about three very, very thin coats. Don't put too much on. A little bit of spackle goes a long way. Sand in between each one, and then just build it out, build it up over those three coats, and that'll be fine. And because you put the tape over the fiberglass tape, it shouldn't crack again. That sounds like something I can do. I think you can, Sandy. Well, summer gives us lots of opportunities to display the red, white, and blue, and Flag Day is June 14th, and I think this year we are all celebrating what it means to be resilient Americans. And what's a better way to do that than flying our flag? Well, we've got some tips to help you pay proper respect to our flag, because there's always some confusion on how do I handle it, which way do I hang it? So let's clear all of this up. First of all, you've got to handle the flag with care. Your American flag should not touch the ground, become worn, or even soiled. Yep. Now, when you're flying the flag, it should be displayed with the blue union up, except as a distress signal in times of dire emergency. Now, another important bit of flag etiquette, never use the flag as a wrapping or any other sort of decoration. That's what the red, white, and blue bunting is for. 
Now, here's some other protocol that you've got to follow. When you're hoisting the flag, you want to raise it briskly. And when you're lowering it, you want to lower it ceremoniously to a recipient's waiting hands. You've got to fold the flag neatly and carefully for storage. And when you fly your flag at night, you need to make sure that there's a light on it at all times. So pick a spot that's illuminated by a porch or a streetlight or consider installing sensor lights that are automatically come on and illuminate your American flag for the evening. Now, once in a while, we get questions about how to mount a flag bracket to various types of siding material, whether it's brick or it's wood or it's vinyl. We've got an article on how to do just that. It's online at moneypit.com. Heading over to Louisiana, where Albert is looking to take on a green project by adding solar panels. How can we help you? Well, I'd like to uh, put up some solar panels. <laughs> All right. But uh, my wife and I were discussing it, and... and uh, she seems to think they do better on the roof. Now, we we have uh, a pretty good bit of uh, property here, mm-hmm. and I'm wanting to put it out in, in back of the house and add away from the house. And <clears throat> she seems to think that that being away from the house, uh, it would they would lose uh, some of their effectiveness. Is that true? Well, you know, if you put them on the roof, they are closer to the sun. She's right about that. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think that's going to make a big difference. Listen, um, if these things are wired correctly, you can certainly collect the energy, whether they are at grade level or on the roof. You know, the added complication of putting them on the roof is that you have to put them over your roof shingles or whatever roof material you have. And when ultimately that roof fails, you have to remove the panels and uh, and to to re-roof, so it's it it does add a, a, a complicated level. I mean, how old is your roof now? Do you think you're going to be replacing it in the next few years? Uh, it's probably ten years old. All right, so I mean, you might be halfway through it. I just think at some point you're going to be dealing with that, and you just have to decide if that's an issue for you. Now, if you do put it at grade, do you have uh, anything that would be in its way, like trees overhanging, interrupting the you know the accessibility of the sun, for example? property and, and uh, trees. Uh. As long as it's open, you think about the, the flow of the sun, the angle of the sun throughout the year. You know, as long as it's open, then, then you know, that might be a good option for you. Yeah. Okay. Well, I wanted uh, to put it probably about 100, 125 feet from, from the house. Right. You know? And uh, I didn't know whether that would, uh, I would lose any power. Uh, being that far from the house. Well, I mean, it depends on how you're collecting it, and that comes to this. That comes into the system that you're working with. You know, um, there is a company that is called Wholesale Solar, who does a lot of um, a lot of really good work working with homeowners to help them make sure that they are choosing the right system and the right components uh, for their project. You might want to just have a chat with those guys, and there's no harm or no expense in doing that. Their website is wholesalesolar.com. I have had some of their guys, as they really know what they're doing, on the show from time to time, and they could probably walk you through some more options. Okay. Sounds great. I, I appreciate that information. Good luck with the project. Chris from Oklahoma posted, My neighbors just discovered termites in the wood trim of their house. Could this mean that I have them? 
Am I more likely to get them? <laughs> what should I do? <laughs> That's funny. You know, listen, termites were here long before we were here, Chris, and they'll probably be here long after we're gone. The fact that your neighbor has them doesn't necessarily put your house at more or less risk of getting some sort of termite infestation because it's one of Mother Nature's marvelous ways of getting rid of dead wood, which unfortunately is the stuff we use to build houses with, right? So what you should be doing now is having your home inspected on an annual basis by a licensed pest control operator or a home inspector or people that are in the business of inspecting because they're going to know how to spot termites and termite infestations way before you will. The worst time to find a termite infestation out is when they're swarming because when they swarm they sprout wings and they fly everywhere and man talk about gross that is the grossest moment it's gross thousands of flying insects that can totally overwhelm your space but here's something that's interesting about those swarms that a lot of people don't know leslie um if you get a swarm and they're everywhere at once those termites actually aren't the kind that are doing the damage you know, those are the reproducers, and they're going out to find some mates. Now, um, if where you are the do... damaging ones? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, if you do find termites, though, there is a type of termiticide called an undetectable that's very effective. Termidor is one of the main brand names. Uh, and basically, the way the stuff works is it's injected into the soil, it creates sort of a barrier that termites pass through to and from their work on your house, uh, and it totally wipes out the entire colony. So it's a very effective way to protect your house from termite damage. You sort of put a barrier around it, and it works better uh, than the types of of pesticides they used to use, which were detectable by termites because they would sense it and try to go around it. So you you really had, uh, and they're persistent at this, so you really had to put much more on to uh, to control that. With this stuff, you put on just what you need. I should say you, it's, it's applied by a professional, uh, and it really works quite well. So look for those undetectables, uh, Termidor or similar products. All right, next up, we've got a post here from Barb in Maine. Now, Barb writes, I'm redoing my basement and putting a shower down there. Do I need to put a trap in the shower or will a straight drain be okay? Hmm. Yeah, well, you always need to trap in the shower and, and you always need to drain it into the waistline for the house, the main sewage line for the house. Uh, you say straight drain. I'm not quite sure what you mean by that, but I'm guessing maybe you're thinking you can drain it through the floor or drain it outside to grade because it's just a shower. Not the right way to go. Now, the trick here is that the drain for a basement bathroom may be lower than the waste pipe. So then you need to what to use what's called a lift pump or specifically a sewage lift pump, which is a special type of pump that basically collects the wastewater. And if there's a full bath down there, it's going to grind it too. And then it pumps it up to a point where it can then gravity flow up and down out. through the suit, yeah, <laughs> up and out in a way to be never be seen again. Um, but you definitely need to have a proper drain on that. And that includes a trap. All right, Barb, good luck with that. That's really great. Ed in the bathroom in the basement. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. 
Making good homes better. You've been listening to the Money Pit Home Improvement Show on this beautiful late spring day. Summer is just around the corner. We are always here for you on air and off to answer your home improvement questions. You can get those to us by posting them at moneypit.com or to facebook.com slash the money pit. But for now, that's all the time we have. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. 